1: I focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally
2: yours. mentally yours. Mentally yours, mentally yours. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Mentally Yours, your weekly mental health podcast from Metro.co.uk. I'm Yvette. And
1: I'm Ellen. And this week, we're going to be talking
2: all about SAD with Sybil Watson. That's right. But before we have a chat to Sybil, let's have a little listen to what we were chatting about last week. The key to successful um, resolutions or
3: successful goal setting in any case is to be flexible, to have preferences, and maybe um, think about uh, a bracket rather than an actual
2: target. So now we're going to be talking about seasonal affective disorder. It's more
1: than winter blues. It's a very serious mental health condition. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it.
3: the seasonal affective disorder is exactly the same as normal depression. It's just that it then kind of has a, a time span. So then it gets to spring when it starts to get lighter, uh, and your mood picks up so you know all the same symptoms that you'd have with normal depression of uh having no energy of of having kind of uh unrealistic you know thought patterns of you know that you have no friends and you're a terrible person and you know uh, and not wanting to go anywhere and not wanting not really taking any pleasure in the things that you would normally take pleasure in um and you know, being very, you know, sort of lying around on the sofa and eating a load of unhealthy food, um, which as a as a student is quite common anyway. So it did take me a while to work out that <laughs> this was not kind of normal behaviour, and it did go on for a really long time before I sort of really realised that it wasn't just sort of normal depression, um, but that it was it was seasonal, mm. um, and that came really from you know one spring suddenly being like, Oh, my God, I feel amazing, you know, bejing all my energy coming back. And, uh, and my husband saying to me, you know, yeah, you're it's like living with two people, you know, winter Sybil and summer Sybil. So I thought, well, then that's time to go and get some help and find out what I could do so that I could have more energy and be more like myself all year, mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of just for part of the year. What was the next step for you for then? Um... Um, Well, I looked, you know, I looked at what was available. I went to the GP and, you know, as most GPs do, they like to just dole out the pills. Mm -hmm. So they suggested that I take antidepressants Um, and I'm not very keen on taking drugs. I think it kind of just masks the problem rather than dealing with it and also doesn't necessarily work long-term. Plus they have a load of other side effects that I wasn't really very keen on. So, they weren't particularly helpful and uh, I then so I did my own research into finding someone who did CBT which I understood was you know quite helpful for all forms of depression including SAD um, and found someone locally who who did that. It might sound a bit odd but are there any sort of
2: advantages in a way of having this thing because I suppose at least with seasonal affective disorder you know that spring's on the way now
3: Well, um, yes and no. I mean, it's quite, it's kind of like, again, like any kind of depression, you, you might know that it's coming, but you can't sort of help how you feel. So, you know, even though I know in October that the nights are coming in and I start thinking, okay, okay, I've got to be really prepared for this, you know, still, sometimes you have to be really on top of it to kind of make sure that you're okay. Um, and you still do know that you have rather a long time and we've now we're not even at the shortest day yet so you know i know that that's still coming so i've got to be really uh on top of it and you know a couple of weeks ago i really wasn't um one of the things i have to do is make sure that i don't get too stressed and i can get stressed by even doing the fun things. And normally, if I'm on top of it, I look in my diary and I think, okay, I'm going to work, I'm going out, I'm going to a party, I'm doing this. Oh, I can't then take on any of these other things. And I didn't do that. I just ran around like a lunatic and then I started really going downhill. And so, you know, you have to be kind of constantly aware really of what you know what your triggers are and what's you know at this time of year Mm. in summer I could do everything you know seven days a week but this time of year I have to be really aware of it otherwise I just start going down.
1: Yeah. When you
3: say going downhill, Mm. what does that kind of mean? What's it like when you're a winter Sybil? um, It means I start crying a lot. (laughs) It means I start thinking really negative things about myself. It means I don't want to go places. I start cancelling, you know, so I start kind of cancelling things or even, you know, if people say, oh, do you want to go and do X, Y or Z? And I just think, oh, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to go anywhere. You know, I just want to stay in. and, And, you know, so I sort of lose all my enthusiasm really for, for doing things.
1: And do you notice it's quite sudden? Like, is it the second winter hits
3: or Um, is it gradual? No, I mean, it it can be quite sudden. um, But uh, I do normally try and kind of do all the things that the CBT kind of encourages you to do. As I said, you have to kind of keep up with it. And so mm-hmm. if you don't you just like let it slide then suddenly you know you you do find yourself going going downhill which can happen really quickly. Obviously it's really different for every person because yeah. everyone reacts to things so differently. Which is why you know I had read about this other treatment the TMS because with CBT you know you do have to be really proactive with it yourself you do have to keep doing the kind of homeworky things and if you're really busy that and you don't then it's almost you know yeah and then it just you sort of start going down before and then if you go too far down then it's quite difficult to get yourself back up again so in a way something that you could just have that doesn't have any side effects you know that you could have as a kind of fix is really appealing to me and I think you know if I were to to get really bad you know which could still happen in in you know January or whatever I would you know I'd really consider looking at that as another option because it isn't just taking a drug it is mm. something that's you know relatively well doesn't seem to have any side effects. What is that? Yes. It's, um, it's a, a sort of magnetic stimulation they use the same sort of things that they use in an MRI and they can direct oh, okay. it at the sort of bits of your brain where you suffer with depression and it kind of just acts as a trigger for you to stop getting depressed as far as I can understand but you know I don't Um, You know, I'm no expert. I just I just thought, well, this is actually because at the moment, the only thing that anyone suggests is CBT. Mm, And it doesn't always it doesn't always work for everyone. And, and, you know, you do have to kind of keep, (laughs) as I said, Mm. you just have to keep doing it. And that's that can be quite hard, too. And especially if you go a little bit downhill, then you just think, oh, I don't have the energy to do. (laughs) to sort of be positive or because one of the things I'm meant to do is decide something that I that is is happening every day that I'm going to really enjoy and it can be something I'm doing anyway like walking the dog or whatever but I'm supposed to sort of be mindful and and focus on enjoying that but if you've already gone a bit downhill you just think oh bugger this I don't want to walk the bloody dog and I'm (laughs) you know I'm already kind of not in a good place so
2: Mm -hmm. You mentioned kind of limiting um, your stress and sort of extra work Mm -hmm. things or um, so that's a really sort of solid thing. Are there any other preventative measures that
3: you do? Well, I mean, it's all things that you should do just generally for your health anyway. You know, you know, sleeping, you know, in a good pattern, not getting over, not getting overly tired. You know, going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time. So I have one of those um, daylight simulation clock things. So does that help? Yeah, it does help because it does make you feel like you're not waking up in the middle mm. of the night. Because of course, when you wake up at seven o'clock, it is pitch yeah. black outside. So this kind of gradually gets the room light. So you you kind of come, you know you sort of wake up gradually, you come to, um, rather than being rudely awakened by the alarm. So, you know, plenty of sleep and eating properly and, you know, doing exercise, you know, all the things that, that are good for us, you know, generally, they're really good for your mental health, obviously. How do you find it over Christmas? Because obviously Christmas can be quite stressful and with so much going on. Um, but I do try, I love Christmas, so I do try really hard to get myself in a, in a really good place and, and be really, you know, mentally focused on the fact that I will only take on what I can take on. And I kind of do a sort of talk in my head of, am I actually enjoying this? Okay, then I can do it. But if I'm just making, you know, if I'm just doing, you know, more and more and more and I'm not enjoying it, then I, I try and say it doesn't matter. You know, if I haven't decorated this or I haven't wrapped that or, you know, I try not to get completely caught up with all the the preparation mm. things because it can go mad, can't mm. it? I think everyone
1: <laughs> should take that lesson, honestly, because there's so much stuff where you're just doing it because you think that you should or yeah. like just for the sake of it. You look at it and actually, I'm hating every minute. Like, this is miserable.
3: Just say to yourself, am I enjoying this? If the answer is yes, keep doing it. If the answer is no, just stop. No one's going to notice whether you've swept behind the cupboard or polished the table or, you know, whatever it is Mm. that people feel that they should do at this time of year. Definitely.
2: Have you ever considered moving to sort of a, I don't know, a sunnier... Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, when I was at university, I think I, I you know, put down before that uh, I went to the doctor at one point and he said, oh, you know, you're not really made for this modern living. He said, you should really be in the south of France on a deck chair. And I was like, well, that's not really very possible. <laughs> I'm trying to finish my degree. But um, but yeah, I do think about it a lot. And uh, and I do try and spend, um, you know, a bit of time each winter going somewhere warm and sunny and being, you know, even if it's here, being outside, if we've got daylight, get outside in it but that's does it you know the the moving i mean i have lived in other places and it does you know then it's it's fixed but of course then you come back to britain and it goes away again and i i just feel that this is home and and um Mm. i'm not sure i would want to permanently live somewhere else
2: no it's tricky isn't it (laughs) because obviously if you've got friends and family here yeah yeah
3: it's where they are so
2: how dramatic is the difference for you between um winter and summer
3: symbol. Um Well, I think it's really dramatic in a lot of ways in that um, just having so much more energy and feeling so much better just within myself and about myself. Um, and, and so it, it is quite extreme. Um, and it must be really difficult to live with as well because, of course, my family, you know, they don't always know... You know, when it's coming. And so, you know, one minute you're fine, and the next minute you're kind of going downhill. Whereas in the summer, you know, I'd have a lot of energy and, and, you know, really just love being with people and doing lots of things. And then, you know, start, I know everybody does a little bit of hibernating, but it, it is different, as I was saying, you know, from just the kind of thinking, oh, it is a bit cold and dark outside, mm. um, you know, to what other people experience when you have sad, it's, it's you know, much more, uh, much more severe than, than that.
2: Have you found that employers and friends um have been sympathetic to the condition, or not really? because I get the impression um it's almost not really seen as mm. a, one of the more sort of serious mental health issues, which is kind of ridiculous, but
3: yeah. Uh, No, I think I think people just aren't really aware of it, you know, and that they they do just think, oh, yeah, well, we all get a bit sad, you know, and and they don't really understand that that this is, you know, uh, not just having winter blues, which a lot of people do get. So I think, you know, certainly people aren't aware, you know, I, I tell everybody, I mean, I'm really boring. It's practically like, oh, hi, I just met you. I suffer with sad, you know, just because I think, well, the more people that think they can talk about it or understand it then the better that that will be Mm. um and that they realize that they can get help as well in whatever form you know that takes now because I work sort of part-time and things and I can and I work from home a lot so I can I can balance you know my work a lot better but you know at university when I was in in Scotland where it was dark all the time and I was really suffering I really found that really hard and you know my professors and things would say, you know, because I would get behind with everything because I just couldn't do anything. I was just in a terrible state. Um, And that was really hard. And people didn't, you know, really understand what was what was going on. I didn't really understand what was going on, you know, Mm. to start with. Um, And so I think, you know, that's, that's really difficult. What advice would
2: you give to someone um, who thinks that they might have this condition I and mean, they kind of suspect they might have it because I can imagine it's quite a diff- difficult one to actually get properly diagnosed.
3: Yeah it is difficult I mean obviously there's a lot of resources online so I would suggest that you know people look and see if they you know if they're suffering with, with any of the things of you know your appetite changing and your energy levels changing and your, your sort of attitude to your friends and your family and unfortunately the GP is still the kind of first first line and they can perhaps refer uh for counseling or you know uh, now that they're i think the nhs are starting to do this treatment i was talking about before the the uh transcranial magnetic stimulation they could perhaps get referred for that you know and, and just find people to talk to really is the thing and, and find mm. you know find people who will help them to understand what's going on mm. Or maybe keeping a diary might help as well, I would have thought, if if that's something that sort of Um, changes regularly. But again, it's if people, you know, everyone's so busy now that, you know, to suggest, I think you have to be in a place where you realise you really have the problem. Mm. And I guess if they they do think they have the problem, they could start to write it down and see, you know, see how they're finding it. But if they talk to their friends and they talk to their family and they say, oh, are they noticing a big difference? Other people are a good, you know, a good way of finding out Mm. Because often with yourself, you don't notice. Mm. It's like if you're stressed, you don't always know you're stressed. It's other people say, wow, you're really stressed. And you're like, am I? I think I'm coping perfectly well. Mm. So I think it's hard sometimes for, you know, within yourself. You think you're coping okay, but maybe you're not. Um, or also, I suppose, if, yeah, if you're depressed, the last thing you feel like doing is, yeah, joshy-dun
2: and azari every night necessarily. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah.
3: one of the things that I was asked to do with CBT was to write down the opposite of all the negative things that I was saying in my head. So once you kind of, you know, they could do that kind of thing, which is quite useful as if if you're going around saying, uh, you know, I have no friends and I'm a terrible daughter or I'm a terrible mother or, you know, uh, everything is awful. And, I, you know, the, you can start to write down, I'm really happy and healthy I'm really fun to be with you know and that your brain because it is so malleable it can kind of reset itself and it does take a bit of time it probably takes kind of six weeks but if you keep you know if you keep doing that kind of thing that can really help as well and really sort of get you out of the negative thought cycles.
1: How can friends and family help people with SAD?
3: I think just you know by being really supportive and understanding and not saying things like oh for god's sake just get off the sofa yeah <laughs>
1: it's never
3: helpful <laughs> you know pull yourself together is always the classic one that um you know people i think who suffer with depression are met with and when you're suffering you can't just you know you'd love to be able to pull yourself yeah. together but uh, unfortunately it doesn't always work that way so i think you know if they can just try and be understanding and supportive in that way and realize that you know people are doing their best you know but they're just they can't just leap up and and go out and feel great mm. when when you're suffering. And what about employers as well? Um, well I guess if they could you know it is just all about awareness so mm. I think the more aware people are and realize that you know if someone is seeming a bit more withdrawn in the office place and they're not contributing as much as they normally do you know that 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 might be you know they might have other reasons for that and to try and be understanding and that you know not just sort of think oh they're being really hopeless at the moment
1: well we are really very angry about this shit yes we are really very angry
2: about this shit thanks very much so one thing that i'm pretty angry about this week is the changes to the nhs basically there's um well i mean change can be good and change can be bad but one of the things that they're trying to sort of encourage more of at the moment is um Seeing a GP, but not in person, maybe this is just like a personal sort of bugbear, but to me, you have to see someone face-to-face. Yeah. I mean, particularly with mental health issues. Like, maybe that just sounds ridiculously obvious, but I think... I don't know, what do you think, Helen? Because I suppose, thinking about it now, it could be kind of helpful, like if you're horrifically depressed and you can't bear to leave the house, tapping on a screen and being able to talk to someone right there might be better than dragging yourself out of bed and going to a surgery but I really feel like people need help from people sort of directly Mm. not just a person on a screen
1: I think it's having a mix of both because there are a lot of times if you're in crisis mode you cannot even fathom the idea of making an appointment and going to see someone Mm. and there have been lots of times before when I've had like basically crisis point but on the flip side it's very easy to not be a hundred percent honest with someone when you're talking over the phone or via a screen. Mm. Um, and if I went to my, if I hadn't gone to my GP, I don't think he would have really known the full extent of what was happening because I wouldn't have been like crying in front of him. I wouldn't have felt so like embarrassed that he could kind of see what a relief it was to talk about Mm. it. So it definitely makes a difference. But I think ideally having both options easier would be better
2: yeah if that makes sense maybe like for me it's just i kind of feel like it's easier like you said to kind of maybe be a bit more dishonest about it if you're sort of talking yeah. to someone facetime or however you're meant to talk to these gps sort of over an app or whatever yeah um you can't like you say just kind of burst into this beforehand exactly whereas if you're actually there in person i think there is more of an element of facing up to it i think
1: I'm ambivalent about it. Stupid crap! My brain has told me a Korean. Oh, stupid, 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 stupid. Does my therapist hate me? <laughs> Slash, find me annoying. Okay, that's my main like stupid thought. It's just like, oh, I thought you were actually asking me. I mean, I am asking. I'm always looking for confirmation. But like, I must. I feel like I must come across really annoying. And also, in a therapy situation, you're not you're not meant to ask them about how they're feeling mm. and I feel rude and I feel really irritated and really like whingy and I know that I shouldn't care if my therapist thinks I'm cool or whatever
2: but I feel like she must just go home and be like oh that one again it's weird isn't it, having that one totally one-way conversation yeah. especially in our job where so much of it is listening to other people exactly. and yeah having it the other way around is quite daunting it's too weird every
1: time i ask her how she is she laughs at me and i'm like it's not i'm i need to ask you i can't Mm. just list all of my things and not know anything about you it's very
2: unsettling yeah i mean it is her job to listen to you
1: yes and i am paying for it which is you know changes things a bit i don't know i just i think maybe i have an unnecessary need to be liked by everyone including my therapist like i keep thinking oh, I don't want to tell her that bit because she'll think I'm a horrible person. Mm. And it's like, no, you're supposed to tell them everything. Mm. Like, this is the one place where you should be comfortable with them thinking you're a horrible person, which I assume she doesn't. But
2: sometimes I'm not sure. Mm, I don't, yeah, I don't think I was ever, like, 100% honest. Were you not? No, I mean, we talk a little bit. I mean, I wasn't maybe, like, 100% honest about my love life and stuff or the dates that I was going on
1: so oh really? yeah that's
2: interesting yeah
1: I think I I'll definitely get to a point where I'm like keeping some
2: stuff secret from my therapist because I feel like she wouldn't approve it was absolutely what you said about just wanting to be liked there yeah. because I can really relate to that and it which is silly isn't it because you're paying you're literally paying someone to just listen yeah. to what you're and saying like help you and also fix it doesn't matter if they like you or not because yeah like as you say you're paying them to sort of help you get better but can and fix you imagine
1: so you had a therapist breakup, but imagine if you got dumped by your therapist that would be such like a harsh blow if they were like I don't really want to see you anymore
2: that would be a bit tricky
1: I don't know if they can actually do that but I think that's my secret fear that they'll just be like you're really pissing me off they might suggest stop that
2: you, coming I think it's more like they might maybe suggest you move to another one if they didn't feel like they were able to give you the right yeah. help like if you're somehow. not clicking yeah that makes more sense but do you actually like them or is it?
0: I mean, it's, it really it's
1: difficult to tell because I don't know anything about them mm. because they refuse to tell me because mm. every time I ask, they're like, we're here to talk about you. It's like, I, just tell me what TV you
2: like. Yeah, I, I mean, just I guess I, I just sort of picked up on lots of little other things about mine. Like I really like the way her offices were decorated. They didn't really feel like an office. It was more like yeah. a living room. And also um, she had a dog. So that was just my favourite thing. See, ever. I don't even know if mine has pets or not. <laughs> no, she had the dog in the room. Oh my god, that's yeah, okay. I want. It was so cute. I I'm, I don't know if I should say its name, but it was so cute. So I used to go in and it was jumping up at me. Yeah, it was great. I want that. And because um, I, th- I think it was around one time at the end of a session or something, I'd gone back for something, and I got so happy and excited to see it yeah. that she was. I was you know happy for it to be in the sessions. Yeah, it really cheered me up.
0: I would love
1: that. I think if my therapist had a cat that she would bring, it would go so much more smoothly. You could have
2: that as your specification, though, like for a therapist, like must-have cat.
1: I mean, just even (laughs) finding a therapist within price range and within distance. Yeah, that's true. I think adding in the additional must-have cat or allow me to bring my cat with me. How much does yours cost? 60 quid. Um, And I was kind of budgeting for it to be once every other week, but then Mm. she was kind of explaining that... At first, at least, it needs to be every week mm-hmm. to, like, keep up the momentum or anything. Um, so it's a little more than I wanted. Mm-hmm. But that was honestly, everything I was seeing was around 60 or 70. And a lot mm-hmm. of places were more. There was one place nearby that was 120 per session. Mm-hmm. I like, I can't afford that. But, yeah, I guess if I'm paying someone 60 pounds, it really does not matter if they like me or not. No. Or if they find me annoying because I'm allowed to be annoying.
2: Which you're not anyway, but, yeah. You haven't seen me in the sessions.
1: <laughs> so this is goodbye
2: from Mentally Yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from Mentally, 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 mentally Yours. Mentally Yours. Mentally Yours. Mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today then please give the samaritans a ring on 116 123 or visit their website which is samaritans.org
1: if you've liked today's episode please give us a review on itunes and come chat with us on our facebook group which is mentally yours where
2: we chat about all things mental health or you can go to our twitter page which is mentally yours which is mentally yrs Thanks very much to our guests, Sybil, and
1: to our producer, Sam, and Lucy Baker for the jingles. See you next time.
0: old up.